the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Today on Church of the Week, Faith Fellowship of San Leandro, diverse body of believers that looks a lot like the Bay Area, in fact, a lot like what heaven will look like. Joining me now is the senior pastor of Faith Fellowship, Pastor Vince Taylor. And Pastor Taylor, wonderful to have you with us. Uh, good morning, Craig, and also the KFAX family. Good morning to you. Great to spend a few moments with you, get a chance to know a bit about your heartbeat for ministry for the Bay Area and the exciting things going on at Faith Fellowship Church. First, want to back up for a moment. I mentioned that you have been involved at a, a couple of capacities with the ministry for 23 years. That's a pretty long run. Tell us, how did all of that come about? And I understand uh, for the benefit of um, military folks out there that you spent quite a number of years in the United States Navy. I surely did. And one day on a cruise, I was stationed aboard the USS New Jersey. We pulled into port in uh, at uh, what is that? the uh, the harbor there in San Francisco. Hunters Point is what it was. We pulled in there and uh, we did a just a brief uh, time of leave there. And I got a chance to explore the Bay Area for the first time. Believe it or not, Craig, when I rode around with my friends just throughout the city. I said, you know, Lord, I would really like to live here one day. And lo and behold, uh, the next set of military orders that I got was to the Bay Area in 1984. And so so I came here and started attending Faith Fellowship, went to a Bible study, got a chance to meet some very, very good people, people that I know to this very day. I started to work at Faith Fellowship as a youth pastor and uh, just various different things, prayer ministry leader, not knowing that one day God would have in mind that I would serve here first as the senior associate and then the senior pastor. Uh, That happened in 1998 when I came here from Chicago after I retired from the military. And uh, it's been a ride. I was at first the senior associate pastor and now the senior pastor, and I'm loving it. This is not your first involvement in full-time ministry. In fact, I understand, had, had you been involved in one capacity or another with ministry prior to your naval career? Well, not prior to my Navy career, but while I was in the Navy, actually stationed in Chicago or Great Lakes, Illinois, I planted a church there with the Church of God organization. In that organization in 1996. And so I left that church in the hands of a very capable man and moved to the Bay Area after I retired. I mean, the Bay Area is just a beautiful place. How could I resist? Yeah. <laughs> and as, as a lifelong uh, native, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. And, and, and certainly much better winters than Chicago. <laughs> well, so you've been there perhaps? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, Winter indeed. is uh, pretty tough. Yeah, they it, call it the Windy City for a reason. Yeah, that's exactly right. Although there are places in San Francisco that, that can, I think, be competitive when it comes to the wind, <laughs> to, to be I sure. Mark Twain said the coldest winter he ever spent was in uh, San Francisco. I, I think he did indeed uh, say that, and I think we could all probably uh, concur with that. So when, when God literally brought you out here with the Navy, you had a chance to see the San Francisco Bay Area. You prayed that prayer. Did you ever imagine that one day God would actually open up the door for you to call not only the Bay Area home, but to give you an opportunity to serve the Bay Area and reach Bay Areans for Christ? You know, I got to be honest, Greg, I really didn't. I couldn't see that far ahead, but I could see that God was using my life and that I had um, had the opportunity to serve a lot of people, especially in the military as well. And uh, I just had great opportunities, and I knew that ministry was in my future. 
and God began to open doors. And the good thing about it, when God does it, you don't have to knock doors down. He opens them for you. You know, we often talk about, as we alluded to a moment ago, Bay Area has so many wonderful offerings. There's a lot of things to do here. There's a great climate. There's a lot to see. We're probably within an hour and a half, two hours of any sport you'd like, whether you want to go out and do uh, a little bit of, of surfboarding in the Pacific Ocean or want to do some skiing in the mountains. We all have it here. But I would wonder if maybe what really makes the Bay Area special beyond all that it has to offer um, would be the people. And I made reference in my opening remarks today to what seems to be a, a unique hallmark of Faith Fellowship, and that is its diversity, that really and truly, with no pun intended, not only does it very much on a Sunday morning look like the Bay Area, it actually also looks like what heaven is going to look like. How much was the the people of the Bay Area and that sense of diversity very attractive to you when you prayed that prayer, God, someday, if you will, send me to the San Francisco region? I'll tell you, uh, being in the military and aboard ship, I got a chance to travel to a lot of different countries, the Philippines, um, you know, all parts of Europe or various parts of Europe, uh, the uh, South America, uh, just different places, uh, uh, Hong Kong and Japan. So I got a chance to see the world in what I thought was its beauty, the differences, the the food, the culture, the way that people live life. And so I gained a real appreciation for diversity and the fact that God loves people everywhere and everybody has the same need, and that is they need Jesus. And so coming here, seeing all of these different uh, nationalities in one place, I mean, I think Washington, D.C. is probably the second most diverse place I think I've ever been. But seeing all of the different cultures together, it really blessed my heart and getting a chance to know people from every background. If, if you think about it long enough, you can really appreciate the differences versus find reasons to disagree. If you really think about it, people are just people, but they have different backgrounds and a lot to offer. And heaven is going to look just like the Bay Area. And I think it's my job right now to make heaven as diverse as I possibly can. And in that diversity, I'm, I'm curious, people from the outside looking at the Bay region might say, well, as diverse as the area is, having a fairly diverse church is probably just sort of a natural occurrence. But I have to wonder, is it really, or does part of that sense of diversity as it relates to relating to others, understanding others, understanding not only their life experiences, but their life challenges and being able to uniquely minister to those needs and challenges. Does that happen by accident or is that more deliberate? I think the outreach is very, very important. Um, and the message by which we reach out to people, as I said earlier, everybody needs the same Lord Jesus Christ, but we do actively go after people and focus on um, making friendships of all kinds, inviting people from every walk of life. In fact, you notice God filled the ark with every kind of animal. And I think that God wants his uh, kingdom to be filled exactly the same way. He made sure that he had everything aboard the ark. And so I believe that our efforts and outreach to different people, no matter what, and making our doors wide open for anyone is a major part of why that's so. Is an experience, is the life of the church at Faith Fellowship very much that idea of worshiping and that connectivity with God on the vertical, each other relationally, working together, supporting one another, loving one another on the horizontal, and then that going out and serving in the community, a big part of what the emphasis is? Absolutely. Now, this might sound a little self-serving, but I believe we have one of the best worship leaders in the Bay Area. I mean, she's really good. Yoshika McAllister is our leader. We have a choir led by Sister Pam Adams and Giovanni Wyatt. They're actually a mother and daughter team. And what they've done is put together, we put together every week worship that people can appreciate. Not perfect, but worship that is genuine from the heart and it draws people in. Now, I, I also, 
preach, but I also play the bass guitar. So I serve along with our worship team. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to say how good I am or anything like that. I'll just go to the next point. <laughs> but we do that together. And the whole idea is to bring everybody into that worshipful experience. We need to know God personally. But after that, Craig, as you mentioned before, we want people to know that they have a purpose. They're not merely existing or aimless wanderers. They're people that God intended with a purpose. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's a place for you here at Faith Fellowship. What is your gift? What is your talent? What is it that God has given you that's very special and unique to you that we can use it to serve Christ's body? What is that? And so we open the door for that. We want to train people to make sure that they're able to carry out that task. So that's a goal of ours, to equip people to serve. The, the last thing that I would ever want to do and have experienced being in a church is to be in a church and having no sense of purpose or no one checking in to see what contribution I can make. And so I like to do that. I extend the opportunity for people to serve in various capacities all the time. Because if you're going to be a part of a church, you really need to be a part of it. And that means active. That means doing your part, as uh, Paul said, doing our part in the body, serving it. And so I want people to know that just because you came in today, and sat down and sang a few songs. That's a great beginning, but there's more. There's more. God made you with purpose. What is it? Use that gift or that talent that God gave you. Use it. And it's not small. If God gave it to you, it's of great worth. And certainly at the end of the day, while perhaps not everyone can do one thing, meaning they may not necessarily be as adept at playing the bass guitar or singing <laughs> or whatever it might be, but everyone can do something. And your calling, your talents, your gifting, unique, discovering what that is, putting that to work within the community for the sake of the kingdom, uh, not only gives us a sense of of being and belonging, but a sense of purpose that takes us above and beyond ourselves and ultimately serves one another and serves the Lord. Finally, Pastor, for someone eavesdropping on our conversation today that says, Pastor, you know, I've, I've struggled. I've been involved in a church in times past, but I've had a bad experience and I'm I'm just fearful. I, I don't want to be hurt again. People sometimes, you know, the, the wounded sometimes, you know, the old adage, we, we shoot our own wounded, things of that sort. What would you say to that individual listening to our conversation right now? They've heard your story, your heartbeat. To that person, what would be your message? Well, I think the last place we ever expect to be hurt is at church. Unfortunately, it actually happens. And so teaching, apologizing, repenting, teaching, taking ownership of your actions when you offend, the Bible gives a very clear outline on how to deal with that. Uh, in, in our reality, every church, as soon as a person walks through the door, it becomes an imperfect church. So we have to understand that something's going to happen. There's going to be a mistake here or something said there, but our ability to heal ourselves in reconciliation and to go to one another, to have an open door policy in a sense. If someone brings a something to my attention, I actually try to deal with it personally and from the pulpit and making it very clear that there are some things that are just not going to be tolerated and that's hurting people. Jesus said it would be better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself over a mountain than to offend one of these, the least of them. And so I take that to heart. I don't want people hurt at faith fellowship. I want them healed, actually. And so projecting that message in our ministries, projecting that message from the pulpit, I think it helps us greatly in dealing with uh, the challenges that we're just going to face. Um, it's just every church, the best church on the planet, still has to have God's reconciliation plan available. 
God's plan of uh, healing, God's plan of restoring and rebuilding brokenness and relationships and people. And so we have that in place. Uh, First, you go to a brother. Second, take someone else with you. And then finally, if it doesn't resolve itself in those areas, then uh, bring it to me. And my job is to is to deal with it. And I believe in personal responsibility, Craig, people taking ownership, especially if you're going to serve. If you're wrong, admit it. I tell people at times in a different service to look at your neighbor and say, I'm sorry. And then they do that dutifully as I ask. And then I, I say something like this. See, your lips didn't fall off, meaning <laughs> it won't kill you to do that. It just heals wounds. And I think they get it. We are all broken, imperfect people on the road to healing and restoration and um, that that rebuilding of our relationship, not only amongst one another, as we've discussed, but most importantly, that relationship that God wants to have with us. Pastor mm-hmm. Vince Taylor, Senior Pastor at Faith Fellowship of San Leandro. Service times, by the way, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Wednesday evening, Fellowship and Bible Study at 7 p.m. And they meet at 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro, right off the 880 freeway. It's as easy to get to as almost being in your own backyard. You want to get more information about the church, the ministry of Pastor Taylor, you can do so at faith-fellowship.us. Again, that's faith-fellowship.us. And Pastor Vince Taylor, we appreciate so much spending some time with you today. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate it. And I just want to say to everybody out there, whoever you are, you're welcome at Faith Fellowship Foursquare Church. You are welcome. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. And once again, welcome to Faith Fellowship Church. You know, it's always important for us to spend that time with the Lord as we do in worship and just to get ourselves in a place where we can really receive and hear from the Lord. So it's time to get into the Word right now, and I've selected a topic, or I believe the Lord has given me a topic that I have to talk about, and that is sin. I believe we have to talk about sin right now. I know it's not your favorite subject, nor is it mine, but it's one of the most important in the Bible. We are living in a time right now when people are trying to determine what they believe is sin versus what the Bible or God says is sin. God has never given man the authority to dictate to him what he has declared sin or not. So we're living in a time now where sin has to be redefined and defined again from the word of God so people have an accurate understanding of how to live their lives in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Listen, I've entitled today's message, and we'll have to talk about it perhaps in a series, is we have to talk about sin. Let me tell you something. Let me direct your attention to the book of Romans chapter 1, just to bring a verse into focus right now. In Romans chapter 1, I'm going to pick up in in verse 25. It says in verse 25 of Romans chapter 1, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. Amen. It says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In other words, They decided or society or that time or even today have decided that they have the authority or the the power to determine what is and what is not sin. They could not be further from the truth. God is our judge. God is going to ultimately judge the world and even you. So it's important that we have the right perspective on sin and what it is. So I want to focus a little bit today on sin, and maybe even in in the future. One of the most destructive forces in a human life is sin. One of the most destructive forces at work in a human being's life is sin. One of the most destructive forces at work in the life of a nation is sin. 
Sin has done more damage and is doing more damage to families and societies and nations all over the world than anything else on this planet. You know that's true and I know that's true. In fact, but I need to clarify something. In Numbers chapter 15, there is what is called a ignorant sin or sins of ignorance, but that's not what I'm talking about today. But you can look at Rome, uh, Numbers chapter 15 verses 22 through 24 and read about unintentional sins and how God sees that. But that is not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the willful act of mankind that says, God, we don't care what you think we're going to do and behave and act any way we choose. We could not care less about your dictates or what your word says. In Romans chapter one, I read to you, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, meaning People are living lies right now. They are self-deceived. That's why it's important as a Christian, a mature believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is that we have the accurate, the most accurate and the exact biblical understanding of what is sin. Now, Proverbs chapter 14 says this in verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. In fact, you and I both know that the glory behind the the country that we love, America, has been that we lived by biblical principles, or at least biblical principles were stated as our belief system. In God we trust. And I talked about that a little Wednesday America's greatness or America's glory, as we understood it, was that we honored God or the word of God or we made our defining doctrine the word of the Lord. And we wrote or men wrote our Constitution and our Bill of Rights based on the word of God. So it's important that for a believer, we understand sin. Most of the tragedies In people's lives right now today, sin is behind them. Most of the disease and sickness that people are dealing with today, sin is behind it. Most of what destroys marriages and families, sin is behind it. What's ruining our nation right now today, even as I speak, is sin. We have to talk about sin. We can't be that generation that believes we can redefine sin for God and therefore God will only judge us based on our dictates of what sin is or what it's not. You should read Romans chapter one at your leisure because when you do, it will give you a clear picture of how God sees sin. If you are a mature Christian, if you are, Sin should be detestable to you. You should be in a place in your life where you have determined that sinning is the last thing in the world that you want to do or live by sinful dictates or have a sinful lifestyle as your way of life. If you're a mature believer, you should have utter contempt for sin. Here's why. Most of us have gone to funerals of loved ones and friends because of sinful acts, crime, murder. Sin was behind it all. Most of us go and visit people in prison, incarcerated because of sin. Sin was behind it. They committed crimes. Most of us go to the hospital and visit those that are sick. Very often sin is behind it. Others go to visit loved ones and institutions, and most of the time, sin was behind it. You see, sin is the most destructive force, I believe, on earth, because sin separates men from God. Sin has brought a division or chasm between mankind and God, and Jesus Christ is the only answer to our sin issue. Adam introduced sin into the world. But see, now all of us are prone to sin or have a sinful nature. People right now are grieving today, again, as I speak, 
because of the effects of sin in, in the lives of people and individuals and families. Sin is behind it all. If you're a mature believer at all, you should hate the very idea of getting caught up in any way, shape, matter, or form in sin. We have to talk about sin. We have to because society around us and even some religious belief systems believe they can redefine sin. But listen, I told you, God is the judge of the whole world. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 4. We're going to look back in time in Scripture so that we can just go back and get a clear picture. Through the lens of God's eyes on what he did in the very beginning. As we all know, Adam and Eve introduced original sin into this world. Satan deceived, manipulated, tricked, bamboozled, hoodwinked. Adam and Eve, and they ended up falling for it. And now all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in the early stages of mankind, God began to speak to men and he gave us this picture of how we should live and how we should see sin and what sins, the fact that sin has to be mastered in the lives of people. Now, for me or anybody to say or stand here and say that we've never sinned or we don't sin anymore would be self-deception. You should not even begin to think for one minute that I'm trying to say that there is a man on this planet, including myself, that does not fall into sin in some way or another. But what I am saying is this, that if you are a mature believer, sin should not be a practice or a part of your lifestyle. It should not be. You should not, none of you, none of us should have adopted a sinful lifestyle as a believer or a belief system that we could get away with sin before God. Because sin is an abomination to the Lord. In Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Read with me there. Open your Bible. Again, we're at church. Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says this, and I'm reading from the NIV, and this is just one of those new modern translations, so bear with me. It says, Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. But by the way, there's nothing wrong with Adam making love to his wife, Eve, since she is his wife. It's when this act take place, takes place outside of marriage that it becomes sin. And it says, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a son, a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. What Eve, the mother of all living, which is what her name means, what she just said in that passage is that the ability to give life or to bring forth life from her womb was a gift from God. That means every child is a gift from the Lord. And in society today, People want to define whether or not it is a life. Eve's name means the mother of all living. Eve happens to know a little bit about what she's talking about. This child came to her by the Lord. That's what Eve is saying in this story. Now it says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Let's stop right there for a minute. That was his form of worship to God. Cain brought some of the fruit from his field or some of the crops that he had grown in his fields. And God is going to speak to him that there is a right way to approach him. Now, the only way to approach God today right now is through his son, Jesus Christ. There is no act that you could ever do that would make you worthy or fit on your own to enter into the presence of God or enter into heaven in that day. And it says, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, there are two different offerings in this story, two different offerings. One, God is going to reject. The other, God is going to accept. And what that really states and makes abundantly clear is that there is a right way to approach God, not just any way of your choosing. 
Just like you cannot determine how to approach God, you cannot settle for God what he will call sin. People are adopting all kinds of lifestyles and belief systems now, thinking they can incorporate it into Christianity and it will be acceptable to the Lord. I say to you, you need to think again, young man, young lady, open your Bible and begin to read. Forget about what people are saying or people in high positions, even maybe some of the pastors in this country that you may have high regard for or respect. Listen, God determines what is and what is not sin. And it says the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. In other words, there is a right way to approach God. And God says, well done, son. This is the way. And it says, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was upset. There are a lot of upset people right now on this planet because God will not accept their lifestyle. The Bible does not incorporate it into its doctrine or its teaching and its beliefs or its design that God has for his word. He will not incorporate your lifestyle just because you want him to. The lifestyles that God determines are in his word that are right in his eyes. Cain wanted to do it his way, and God is teaching right now in the early beginnings of mankind, there is a right way and a wrong way to approach him. Listen, some of you are going to get mad at me, and I already know that, and I'm prepared for that. Um, so I'm going to tell you in advance I love you. I'm just going to read from the Bible just so you know. Just so you know. Then it says, then the Lord, then the Lord said to Cain, or Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. There are a lot of downcast people right now and probably even right now as I'm speaking, because I'm addressing from the scriptures some of the things that you have decided are acceptable before God that are not. It says in Romans chapter one, I read it to you. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They decided to do that without God's approval or acknowledgement. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, why, is you, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? We could say that right now. Why are there so many angry people right now? There is no need to be that way once you understand the scriptures and the word of God and choose to follow them. It says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? God is saying all you need to do is what is right. All we need to do is what is right. And God is saying we will be accepted. Listen, God is not going to allow us to change the dictates of his word. What God has spoken is final. God is the final authority on everything. No matter what they talk about when they bring up evolution and all those different teachings in our schools right now, Go ahead on and do it. But God is the final authority on whether creationism or evolution is how he did it. Anybody that preaches and teaches evolution have to be realized that they're arguing with the one that actually did it all. It was God. And it says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is knocking at your door. It's crouched right now at your door and it wants to rule you. It wants to deceive and manipulate you just like the serpent did in the garden. Sin wants to come in or the enemy wants to come in and start to rearrange how you think. The enemy wants to come in and give you a false sense of compassion. God will not send people to hell just because they do this or they do that. Listen, you might be the most compassionate person in the world, but you don't have the authority to dictate what God calls sin. Nor do I. That's why I'm reading you the word of God versus telling you what I think. It shouldn't matter to you very much what I think. What matters most of all should be what the word of God says. 
Now it says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. Cain did not master the moment. He did not master that moment when sin was crouching at his door. In fact, as I said, sin is basically us shaking our fists at God saying, we don't care what you say. We've decided what is right. We have decided what is good. We have decided what is acceptable. Therefore, that's what we preach and that's what we teach. And God, you're just going to have to accept it. Listen, all of us, the Bible says, will stand before the Bema seat or the judgment seat of God. But listen, as a believer, here's where you won't show up. And that's at the great white throne judgment where God is going to issue the final decree, the devil and mankind. Your name as a believer is written in the book of life. You might, we might actually be watching the great white throne judgment take place. We just might be, but that's another subject for another time. Now, Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Remember, The parents are about to grieve, but it was sin behind the murder. Cain did not listen to God. Cain decided he was going to react on his feelings and what he wanted and how he saw it. Now, remember, Cain is the older brother. He probably rejected the fact that his little brother had more favor before God than he did. And he was probably jealous, envious, which are sins. And sins are the lust of the flesh. Remember, jealousy, envy, strife, and all those things. They are desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. Then it says, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? Now watch this. Because he committed one sin, now he's got to commit another. It's like when you tell a lie, sometimes you forget what you said. And now you might have to go and start another lie or you might simply just continue the same lie. But in either case, it's a lie. And look here, Cain is about to try to lie to God. Now, you might think Cain is like crazy or stupid or something, but Cain represents a lot of people who believe they can lie to God and get away with it. Cain is like a lot of people. We have to talk about sin. That's why I believe the Lord put this on my heart, because ultimately in every and any church, sin should be an abomination and a sinful lifestyle should not be acceptable nor tolerated in anybody that says they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It should not be acceptable in the body of Christ, the body of believers. Now, we're no one's judge. But the Bible says when someone is caught in a sin, we who are spiritual should go to them and restore them. We're not the world's judges. But when someone is caught in a sin or they have this sinful belief or this sinful system that they've adopted that's contrary to the word of God, we go to them in love. The Bible says we can speak the truth in love. Yeah. We don't have to be We don't have to come with a hammer all the time. Maybe sometimes, I don't know, but not all the time. We can speak the truth in love. Listen, I know what you've been taught in school. I know what the university has told you about this subject, about that subject. I know that there are professors in all of these universities or many of them that are teaching doctrines of men. And I get it. I understand it. And you had to. Write down what they said to get a passing grade. But listen, let me come alongside of you and tell you that that is not acceptable to the Lord. That is not biblical. Then it says, the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now he's showing his anger. The Lord said, what have you done? He already knew, of course, right? God already knew. Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. 
Listen, I'll tell you something. America, God hears what we're doing to innocence. Their blood is crying out. I know that's another topic, but listen. He says, Abel's blood is crying. I hear it. God hears what we're doing. God hears how destructive we are to the innocent or the most innocent among us. God hears. I don't care how you define it. Listen, go ahead on and get mad at me for this. I don't care how you define it. What we're doing right now to innocence is sin and it's wrong. Okay, I still love you and I hope you love me. Then it says, now you are under a curse. He's talking to Cain and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, he's talking to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. That is one truth that Cain spoke. Yes, you cannot atone for your sin, Cain. No more than I, Vince Taylor, can atone for my sin. No more than you out there in faith fellowship land can atone for your sin. You cannot do it. And the beauty is, the Bible teaches, and remember, write some of these passages down just because I don't have time for them. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, read this at your leisure. leisure. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, no matter what we've done. And the last thing I want to do is try to make anybody feel condemned for what they've done. Because the Bible teaches there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What's he saying? Whatever you've done, Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for you and for for me. Listen, I've been told many, many times that women that have made decisions like you know I'm talking about right now, it breaks their heart today when they think about it. They did it in ignorance, they did it in deception and all kinds of things, all kinds of reasons. But listen, the message is not condemnation. The message is there is no condemnation, no matter what you've done for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So whatever you've done, And my sisters, I'm speaking to you as well, no matter what you've done. And by the way, when that happens, the woman woman is not the only one that's a part of it. She did not impregnate herself. You hear what I'm saying? So listen, if you've repented before the Lord for whatever you've done, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away all of your sin and cleansed you from all unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. Cain was absolutely right when he said, this punishment is too much for me to bear. Listen, the punishment that God has for those who reject his son, the Bible talks about it in many areas. There is a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, total separation from God, and this will go on for eternity. Yes, sin is more than you can bear. Sin is more than I can bear. That is why I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. I graciously and lovingly bow my knee and declare, Jesus, that you are Lord, you alone. All the things I've done that bring shame to my life every time I think about them, thank you for the blood of Christ that washes away all of my sin. Therefore, I know I'm not someone else's judge because I too did the things that I did. That's why I'm so thankful to Jesus that he washed away all of my sin. Now listen, Wednesday night I read to you from the book of 1 Kings in chapter 18. And in that story, there was Elijah 
and there was Ahab. Ahab called Elijah the troubler of Israel. He called him that because of what he was preaching and prophesying. Elijah was preaching and prophesying the word of God, and he was called the troubler of Egypt or of Israel. Elijah told Ahab, no, I'm not. I'm not the troubler of Israel. In fact, let's read it again real quick. It says this in chapter 18. I'll read from verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Elijah says, I have not made trouble for Israel. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Hey, listen, I said it Wednesday and I say it again. It's not the preacher and the teacher of the word of God that is the problem in America today. It's not us. The troubler of America today are those that have abandoned the word of the living God. Those are the troublers of America. And listen, it's not new. You see it in Elijah's time. They wanted to abandon the word of God then, just like they want to abandon the word of God now. But Elijah goes on down a little further. Stay in that same chapter of 1 Kings 18. Let's pick up in verse 20 where he says, So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. How long will you waver between two opinions is what the question was. If it's God, if God is God, follow him. What that literally means is pattern your life and your lifestyle after the word of God. That's what it means. But if Baal is God and that's what you believe, then follow Baal. Because no man, nobody can serve two masters. And listen, As long as I'm here in this church, I'm always going to preach against sin, just so you know. But I'm not doing it because I am self-righteous. I'm only stating what the word of God says. That's what I'll be doing. Because what happens for me is the same thing that happens for you. When we sin or when we fall short, the Bible says we confess our sins and God is faithful and just to forgive them. That is the solution to the sin issue, not to become hard hearted and stiff necked and determined to tell God what you believe is sin and thinking for one moment that God is going to accept it because you say so. Forget about it. Forget about it. There are many Christians who've decided that they're going to live the life that they want to live and determine what God should call sin. Well, the reality is this. We have to talk about sin because the Christian, the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to be a light and salt on this earth. Remember now, I'm not preaching perfection as though I or any other man has gotten it all right. And I said that before and I'm saying it again just so that people will not say who listen to this, that this message will say to themselves that he's determined or calling himself uh, as making himself out to be someone that never falls short. So let me go on the record and state that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But the believer confesses his sin. He acknowledges, God, you are right and I am wrong. And therefore, Lord, cleanse me, forgive me, cleanse me by the blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is behind most of the tragedies that we know in this world. Sin is behind the divorces that are taking place, and many of them. 
Sin is behind the broken family. Sin is behind the ruined and destroyed lives. Sin is behind it. Sin was behind Cain killing his brother Abel. Jesus is the answer for sin. And listen, in every church all over the world, every church, we have to talk about sin and have a biblical view of what sin is. Not a man's view, not a doctrine of a man or a belief system of a man or a woman. You will never, ever have the authority to tell God what is sin and what is not. But you can exchange the truth for a lie and believe the lie. You can do that. That's your choice. That's your call. That's one of the privileges God has given us is called free will. Exercise it at your own peril. The word of God defines everything. He is the final authority on everything. By the way, where were you when God told the sea to come this far and no more? Where were you when God took dust from the ground? And breathe the breath of life in men. Where were you? By the way, where were you before you were born? What were you doing before you were born in this world? Do you happen to know the answer to that? God does. Because he's the one that shaped you like he said to Jeremiah. Before you were even known on this planet. Before your mother, you were brought forth from your mother. I knew you. So God knows where you were. Yeah, God is the final authority on everything. And finally, because I've quoted it several times as I close, turn your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 1. And I'm going to close with this passage. But remember the topic. We have to talk about sin. We have to. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says... And this is the beauty of it all. You don't have to climb Mount Everest. You don't have to come up with some kind of a magic trick or some kind of atoning sacrifice of your own. God has provided the sacrifice. God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. If we confess our sins, not demand that they're not sin, not determine that God has to accept them, not to exchange the truth for a lie. If we simply confess, agree with God, I was wrong, you're right. He says, he, God, is faithful and just. You can't beat this and will forgive us our sins. How about this? And purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have not sinned or our sinful lifestyle is not sin, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Those are your words, not his. Your words, not his. So, having said all that has been said, having read to you from the scriptures, just so you know that it's not my doctrine, if you've given yourself over to a belief system or living a lie because You've decided that you're, you want to do what you want to do. And God is just going to have to accept you as you are. If that's you, now is the time to say, Lord, I have to do what your word says. I have to acknowledge that what I'm doing is wrong and it can cost me my eternity. And then confess it. 
Let's start right here. If you're in the sound of my voice and you realize right now that you have adopted a pattern of life that you already know is not acceptable to God, but you just wanted to do what you wanted to do, would you bow your heads with me right now? And let's do this together. Would you bow your heads and say these words with me? Father, I acknowledge that my lifestyle is wrong in your eyes. Father, I, I want to do what I want to do. I feel what I feel. I think what I think. But ultimately, you are the final authority. So I surrender right now to your will. I surrender right now to your will. Help me. Set my feet back on solid ground. Lead me down paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Do this for me, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. For anyone out there who you're recognizing right now, yes, you are a sinner. But we all were. And we all are. The good news is there's a solution. And his name is Jesus. The name above every name. The name that everybody that ever lived, ever in human history, everybody will have to bow and declare whether they like it or not that he is Lord. If you've never given your heart to the Lord and you realize you're a sinner, bow your heads and pray this prayer with me right now. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I must admit there were times when I loved my sin, but I realize it is, in fact, sin. And now, Lord, I'm at a point in my life where I'm tired of this life. It's brought me nothing but distress, harm, tragedy. And if Jesus, which I believe he is, is the Son of God, I invite him into my life, into my heart, right now, this moment, this hour. Jesus, come into my heart. Save my eternal soul. Cleanse me from my entire past and make me blameless in your sight. God, save my soul. I confess Jesus with my mouth right now and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And Lord, because of that belief, I believe I am saved this very moment. Come and live with me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Listen, it's the word of God. It's not the word of Vince. It's the word of God. And you can argue with God if you choose to. But I promise you right now, you will lose. You will lose. Come to that realization right now while today is today. By the way, the rest of the day, have the best day of your life. May God bless you and all that is yours in Jesus' name. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.